You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. of Farmer Dave. First, Farmer Dave wanted to be a dinosaur, which is biologically impossible. And then he wanted to be an astronaut, but he was told it would never happen. And then for some reason, he wanted to be a QVC salesman, and it would take a miracle for that to happen. I mean, Farmer Dave needed a miracle after miracle after miracle in his life, uh, like when pigs fly. And we're concluding our series called When Pigs Fly, Walking Through Miracle After Miracle After Miracle of Jesus in the Gospel of John. There are eight miracles that Jesus uh, did that are recorded in the Gospel of John. Today we get to miracle number eight. So far, we've seen Jesus perform miracles like walking on water and turning water to wine. Uh, He's done miracles like feeding 5,000 people and healing people. And we were really convinced it was last, uh, last fall that our church needed to go through the Gospel of John, particularly the eight miracles of John. I'll share the reason why in just a moment. But there are 21 chapters in the book of John. And if you want to go deeper on either John or any book of the Bible, write this website down. Go to ownit365.com slash John. There at the website, ownit365.com, we actually designed ourselves slash John. You'll find a seven-minute crash course video. On the entire book of John, you're going to find experience guide and a let's talk guide for John and leadership principles guide. We've done this for all 66 books of the Bible. So you could read the Bible, understand it, go deeper and discuss it in ways you never have before. Just visit that website this week. So today we are going to go through uh, miracle number eight out of eight that Jesus does in the gospel of John and it's the resurrection. This is the most important miracle that John records. It's the most important moment and truth and miracle in the entire New Testament. The entire Christian life is based on this. And if the resurrection of Jesus is not true, this is a colossal waste of time right now. We believe in the resurrection of Christ. We're going to be in John chapter 20. And if you want to turn with me, you can. John chapter 20. Our ushers have Bibles. If you're newer to grace, you can either raise your hand and either borrow that Bible or take it home as our church's gift to you. John chapter 20. I do want to welcome all of our locations. Maybe you're here at our Overland Park campus, uh, maybe out in the venue or in the cafe. Welcome. Maybe you're online right now in places as far away as Romania or the West Bank. So we welcome you from there as well. We're honored you're with us. And I also want to pause and I want to extend a really a heartfelt thank you to you as a church uh, for allowing me as your senior pastor to step away from speaking uh, for a short time each summer. I'm going to tell you a story I've never told our church before, the whole church. Back in 2004, it was seven years into planting grace. I'm approaching our, we're approaching our 20th anniversary now. So we're at year 20. But after year seven, um, it was a really intense season of ministry, and my soul felt stretched or thin. I, 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 was, I was on the verge of burnout back in 2004 after seven years. I even drafted 
a resignation letter I never turned in. Went and found it was January in, in summer. Um, in summer, I told our leadership team, I have nothing left. Please, would you speak for a few weeks? My soul has nothing left. And, and on the verge of burnout, so here are these guys. They band together 40, 50, 60-hour week jobs in the corporate sector, plus leading ministry at Grace, banding together. We stumbled on something really, really healthy. Our church benefited from hearing other voices. They benefited in growing teaching. They've grown over the years and, and then found a sustainable rhythm. So I did not have to resign after seven years as your pastor, and now we're approaching year 20. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for that, uh, uh, for uh, your, your understanding and grace, and just God uses it. So I want to share why, why our leadership team last fall really felt convinced we need to study the Gospel of John, in particular the eight miracles. Why take eight weeks on the eight miracles? You find actually in John chapter 20... In verse 30, here, John had the choice of dozens of miracles of Jesus, and he chose these eight. And the Holy Spirit guided him for two purposes. Look in John chapter 20, verse 30. John records kind of a commentary moment. He says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs, many other miracles in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Well, that's being a big tease. Like, I, I want to get a list of those miracles. Like, there are miracles he did that we don't know about. Okay, so why of the dozens of miracles, why these eight? Two reasons. Verse 31. But these, these eight miracles are written that you may believe, goal number one, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. God impressed upon John as he documented his gospel that these miracles are some of the key to believing. Wow, Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He's the promised Messiah. That is why we've been studying these eight miracles. Crazy, amazing miracles Jesus did. And then once you believe... You'll have life. Goal number two, and that believing, you may have life. You may believe, and that you may have life in his name. I'll pause and ask you, so do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one? That Jesus is the very Son of God? That's what John said these miracles were chosen for by God. And if that's true, do you see the difference in you? Do you have life because you believe in his name, that God's at work in you? That's our topic today. And so we're going to go back to John chapter 20. Here, John is careful to record three groups, and he says they did not know, they did not know, they did not know. First, the ladies at the tomb did not know, and the apostles did not know. Mary Magdalene did not know. These are the same three things that your friends don't know. Your family doesn't know. They need to know. And then we'll see if you do know this, you do get it. Two huge changes happen inside of you. We'll see that today. Let's pray. Um, God, I know you're seeing right inside my heart uh, and how I feel and my mind, the thoughts across my mind, and you see... Um, how 
inadequate I feel to do justice to the most important doctrine in the New Testament? How incapable to really communicate the power and the majesty and the truth and the transformation. God, we look to you in prayer. We believe in God in the presence of the Holy Spirit is among us right now. We believe you. That only you can take the blinders away from our eyes spiritually to see John 20, this account of John's experience about Resurrection Sunday like we've never seen it before. We believe you can open our eyes to the fact that Jesus, you are the Son of God. We believe it. And the life that's available when you do believe that. We need your help. And we have confidence believing in you. And Jesus, we're asking this in your name and for your credit. Amen. All right, let's go to the first group that John talks about that did not know. Three times he points this out. This is the women at the tomb. There was a cluster of ladies who early the first day of the week, Sunday morning, maybe 5, 5.30 in the morning, headed out with some ointment. And they were headed to the tomb. They had no real plan. How do we move the stone away, get past the guards, move the stone? But they went there. And it's not just Mary Magdalene. If you study the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you're going to sign, they were all there. There was Mary there, and then also Mary was there, and then also Mary was there. No kidding, buy a new name. Three Marys plus Salome was there. So at least four ladies, maybe more, some more ladies. They show up, and look what they find at the tomb. John 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I mean, they saw the stone. They're like, stunned. Where are the guards? The stone's rolled away. So they roll up into there, these ladies. They look inside the tomb, kneel down, and they see the body has been stolen. Grave robbers have struck. So Mary Magdalene, that Mary, she beelines. She books it. She goes to Peter and John to wake them up or rouse them. Someone stole the grave of Jesus. Verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That's Peter and also John. And said to them, she's like, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we, here's the first, do not know. Circle, underline, highlight. Do not know where they have laid him. They don't know. Somebody stole the body. We don't know where they took him. See, Mary and those ladies did not know Jesus is alive. They thought he was stolen. Leads to this very first thought that your friends don't know, your family doesn't know, Mary the Magdalene didn't know. Number one, you can write this down. People don't know. Jesus is alive, yet. See, people don't know Jesus is alive, yet. Philippians chapter 2 describes a moment someday when every knee will bow, every tongue confess, Jesus, he's really alive. Everyone will know someday. But your friends don't know Jesus is alive, yet. Your family right now does not know Jesus is alive, Yet, I want to share with you the 10 appearances of Jesus that the scripture records that even if you don't believe God had anything to do with the Bible, 
Treat the Bible like any other historical document. You're going to have huge evidence that there was a guy named Jesus that rose and walked around. In fact, here's the, here's the 10 visits over 40 days. Jesus proved he's alive. The first person he showed up to was Mary Magdalene. She got that honor in the garden. Then Jesus appeared to all the women who came to the tomb. And then he showed up to Peter by himself. And then he showed up to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then Jesus showed up with all the apostles without doubting Thomas. And then he showed up to all the apostles with doubting Thomas. And then Jesus showed up to seven apostles who got tired and went fishing. And then he shows up to 500 apostles on this hillside in Galilee. And then he shows up to the unbelieving half-brother of Jesus, James, and blows his mind. And then he shows up to the apostles finally on week, or day number 40 on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and ascends into heaven over and over. He showed himself, he is alive, he is alive. See, what could take cowards like these disciples who were unbelieving and turn them into courageous people who said this, kill me, torture me, threaten me, I will not deny Jesus is alive. Yeah, that's the same yahoos that were hiding out thinking his body was stolen and he was not alive. How do they do that? They knew he was alive. He is alive. I know Jesus is alive. You say, how do you know, Tim, Jesus is alive? I'm a different person since I met Jesus. In internally ways that you can't manufacture, Jesus has changed me. I know he's alive. How do you know he's alive, Tim? Answered prayer. My prayers being answered, other people's prayers being answered. I know Jesus is alive. How do you know? Amazing works. Healing people. Reaching people. Throughout the Islamic world, Jesus showing up in dreams in their life. I know he's alive. How do you know he's alive? The proof of history. How in the world does Christianity spread when nothing good happens when you convert to Christianity in the Roman Empire? Nothing. It's a miracle. I know he's alive. How do you know he's alive? Proof of the word of God. I know he's alive. Disciples know he's alive. I know he's alive. Do you know that he's alive? Your friends don't know he's alive yet. Your family does not know he's alive yet. That's why you live and breathe. There is another group he talks about that just did not know. And that's, he blames himself and Peter, the disciples, what the disciples did not know. This is another reason I believe the Bible uh, is the most amazing book in history and God's word itself because all other ancient literature, when they talk about their heroes, they can do nothing wrong. The hero does this and that, nothing ever bad. You know what the Bible does? Pants the heroes. The Bible embarrasses its heroes, shares the sins and the weaknesses of its heroes. Why? God is like a tell-it-like-it-is kind of a God. It is awesome. And here John writes about one of John's dumbest moves. The day he believed Jesus' body was stolen. That's a dumb move. He says in verse 3, remember, she's, she runs and wakes him up or gets him up, Peter and John. Verse 3, Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, that's John, and were going to the tomb. They didn't walk. They ran. So they both ran together. And the other disciple, John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. John was likely younger, certainly faster. Beat you. Verse 5. 
And he, he, John, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he, John, did not go in. Then Simon Peter, so he's like, oh, 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 the body's gone. And then he hears behind him, clomp, 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 clomp. Here comes slower Peter. And Simon Peter shows up following him and went into the tomb. Peter goes in first. He saw the linen cloths lying there. He saw the handkerchief that had been around the head, not lying with the linen cloths. That's a weird detail. But folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that's John, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. A couple things about this. Number one, there's a theme here. If you want to study Peter and John deeper, this theme goes throughout the Gospels. John is the apostle who sees first. Peter is the apostle who does first. Certain people see things first. Others do things first. We need all those type of people in the body of Christ. John, John gets to the tomb first, beats you, and he sees the grave empty first. Who goes into the tomb? Peter goes first. When they're on the seven-person fishing trip, who recognizes Jesus on the shore? John does. John sees first. Who goes first? Peter. He jumps in the water, starts swimming. You need both personality types in the body of Christ. And it says that they believed. They believed. How awesome is that? It's terrible. They believed the lie. They believed that grave... They believed the world's dumbest criminals broke into the tomb. The world's dumbest grave, grave robbers broke... Here's the story they believed. Okay, I believe it. So these guys show up. Here's the story. They show up. You disable the Roman guards. Okay, timer's ticking. Roll back the several hundred pound uh, rock. Timer's ticking. You got the body of Jesus. He's there. Okay, instead of taking the body and leaving the crime scene, like smart grave robbers, they paused and only want to take the naked body of Jesus. And so they start, you got to strip him. We can't take his body out like this. We got to strip him. And so they start stripping the feet and the leg. Get that off here. We only take naked body of stiff Jesus out somewhere. We don't take strapped body of Jesus. Get that off here. The bloody, anointed, sticky They believed the lie that the world's dumbest grave robbers hung out at the crime scene to strip his body naked. And then they believed that one of them said, well, take this thing off the head. Hey, I better fold that linen nicely. And so the world's dumbest grave robbers took it off his head and said, well, hold on. We can't leave yet. It's kind of in a mess. Let's fold this linen nicely over here. And yeah, okay. Are we ready? All right, you get, the, you get the head, I'll get the feet. Let's go! The world's dumbest grave robbers. But that's what they believed. Side note, there's something in the world called the Shroud of Turin. And people wonder, was that on Jesus? How cool is that on Jesus? If you believe the Bible, no. Because the story in the Bible account is there was a little napkin on his head and wrappings on his body, which in no way matches what they're showing as the Shroud of Turin. That's what John's account was. All right, keep going. What, what did they not know? Here comes another did not know. Circle, underline, highlight, verse 9. For as yet, they did not know. There it is again. They did not know the Scripture. Ah, they didn't know the Bible. That he must rise again from the dead. 
Then the disciples, unbelieving, not knowing the Bible, wandered off, leaving the women crying at the tomb, wandered, went away to their own homes. You see, here's the second, people, th- second thing people don't know yet. It's what the disciples did not know yet. Number two, people don't know what the scripture says yet. Disciples didn't know what the scripture says yet. Your, your classmates, guys, students in class, school's coming up. Your classmates don't know what the scripture says about Jesus yet. They will one of these days. In your neighborhood, at your job, your coworkers, your boss, people work for you, your clients, they don't know what the scripture says yet. This was my story. So I was, I was 19 years old, and I was in, uh, the only, only reason I went to church, I, I was the guy that didn't know what the scripture says. I didn't know Jesus was alive, not, like, not really. And I went to church because I, I received a personal invitation from someone. This guy stands before you as your pastor because somebody invited me to church. Hey, do you want to go to church this weekend? Well, I don't like getting up on Sunday. Have we got a deal for you at Grace? We have Saturday services. We meet at 4 p.m. Saturday, 5.30 p.m. Saturday. No, I like to get, get going. 8 a.m., we can do that on Sunday morning. I promise you, I, I would never have gone to church with an advertisement. I would have never gone to church driving by a church building. Don't miss this. I came to church to learn about the scriptures and the resurrection because I was personally invited which is how the disciples were reached. How did Peter become a disciple? His brother went, dude, there's this guy named Jesus. You've got to come. When is the last time you personally invited someone to church? I wouldn't even be here if my girlfriend didn't chase a girl into church because she invited me. Wouldn't even be here. When's the last time you, your friends are not coming to church because you're not inviting them? Your classmates would come, potentially, if you say, hey, this weekend, hey, would you come visit the church with me? I'll hang out with you, sit with you, we'll go uh, get some food afterwards. Is there anybody, think in your mind, is there anybody you need to invite to church? Just think, or pray, God, is there somebody want to invite to church? You've got names. You've got faces. That is God! Don't blow God off. Now is the time. God just spoke to you. You need to write down and say this week. Text yourself, write it on your hand, write it on a piece of note. Don't miss God's prompting right now for you to pull an Andrew with a Peter or my girlfriend with me and invite someone to church. Why? So they can learn the scriptures about the resurrection. In fact, here's some scriptures about the resurrection. You can write these down. Luke 24. 25 and 26, Luke 24, 25 and 26, Jesus says the entire Old Testament talks about me. In John 2, John 2, 19 to 21, he says, I would rise. Scripture, I will rise. And for me, what got me as a 19-year-old, I was a freshman slash sophomore in college, Psalm 22, Matthew 27. Read Psalm 22, which every Jewish person believing in the Hebrew Bible believes is inspired, Psalm 22. Then get in the other hand, uh, Matthew 27, and see how amazing fulfillments of Jesus' thoughts on the cross. Do you know what the scripture says about the resurrection? 
It's amazing. Your friends and family don't yet. Here's a third group that doesn't know yet. It's Mary Magdalene. And so down in verse 11, this is not the best moment for Peter and John to walk away from a crying woman at the tomb, but they did that. It says in verse 11, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels uh, in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know. There it is. Do not know. Third time. Do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus. It's over. It's all good. She saw him standing and did not know. There it is again. She did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? It's him. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. This is really weird. You're hoping this guy rises, and he's standing right. How do you not recognize him? I thought it was really weird all the way until Friday afternoon this week in our office. So this happened to me this week. So Mary didn't recognize Jesus outside the tomb. There's a rock star volunteer in our church named Mary. Of course her name is Mary. This is what happened. Mary did not, did not recognize Tim this week. So I go, I go sit in somebody else's seat for a moment. I'm signing some cards to send out. And it's, it's Justin Tiller, who's our director of guest services. So I'm sitting in his seat signing cards. And Mary comes up beside me and she says, Hey, you going to buy those treats for this weekend? I don't know. I had to buy treats for this weekend. I'm thinking to myself. So I said, what? She says, you know, next step class. You know, next step, the food. Are you buying the, the treats for this weekend, the food for this weekend? And I looked up, to her, looked up at her and I said, what are you talking about? And she literally did this. Ah! And she screamed and backed away. And then, I kid you not, 30 seconds later, Megan Elmer works with our Grace students. She's our ladies director. She had walked by me earlier, saw me, and was coming down the hall back. And so I stood up to laugh with Mary about this. Megan Elmer walks up and she goes, "Ah!" and I'm getting a complex now because every time people see me, I freak them out and they scream and my self-esteem is dropping and I'm wondering what's going on here. Here's the point. Mary was so distracted. She didn't recognize how close Jesus was. Don't miss this. Jesus was right there, and she didn't know. How much is that like us? When Jesus is like right there, and we don't recognize him. That leads to number three. You can write down number three. People don't know how close Jesus is. People don't know how close Jesus is to them. They don't know. Maybe you're like this. Maybe you have no idea how close Jesus is to you right now. Two verses that your friends and family need, your, your friends need these verses, especially when they're hurting. I'd write them down. Don't lose them. Psalm 34, verse 18, and Psalm 145, verse 18. 
Psalm 34, 18, Psalm 145, 18, two verses that start, the Lord is near. Who is he near? If people don't know how near he is, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. If you have a broken heart right now, your heart is broken. The Lord is near you. The Lord is near those of the broken heart. You got a friend, their heart is broken. The Lord is near them right now, whether they even recognize it or not. Like right there. You know, it's, it's the nature of the cross. Jesus did not carry just our sins to the cross. He carried our brokenheartedness. He carried our sadness. He carried your loneliness. He carried your depression. He carried that sick feeling you bear in your soul. Isaiah 53 says he carried your sorrows to the cross, not just your sins, your sorrows. Why is he near those brokenhearted? Because he already bore the brunt of suffering through that with you before you ever suffered it. That's why he's near. Here's the other verse, Psalm 145, 18, 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. If you've ever called out, oh God, are you out there? The Lord is near to you. He said, Jesus, you've got to do this. The Lord is near to you. It's what Jesus does 24-7. He listens to people and answers prayer. That's what he does. Interceding, going before God the Father. Do you know how close Jesus is to you? Now Mary got it. She went from thinking he's the gardener to he's risen. Two changes happen in Mary. Same things happen to us. John 20, verse 16. Look at the first change happens. Verse 16 says, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Like, "Ah! (laughs) Rabboni, you're alive. And look what she tries to do. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my Father. Don't miss this. The moment you recognize the resurrection is real, your first instinct is like Mary's, to grab onto Jesus and hold on for dear life. Those of you who know he's alive, your relationship with Jesus is totally different than other people. In fact, you can write that phrase down. The miracle of the resurrection changes Our relationship to Jesus, it changes it. Well, your first instinct is to grab onto the risen Savior and hold on for dear life. You want to be close to him? There's certain people who say, well, the weekend's coming. Oh, what is church this week? What is church this weekend? I should go worship Jesus. Yeah, you don't know he's alive. Of course, that's why you respond that way. But those who know he's alive are like, I serve the risen Savior every day I get up. I wake up, I grab onto him, I hold on for dear life, and this is a chance to worship God. There's a difference in your relationship with Jesus when you've heard he's alive and you know he's alive. There is a difference, huge difference. There's another difference too, by the way. Look in verse 17b. Second half of 17. 
Jesus tells her, gives her the great commission. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. He sends her with the great commission. Go to this group of people and tell them they thought I was dead, but I'm actually alive. And she does it. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came. She runs again. Guys, guys, I saw him, she says. She told the disciples that she'd seen the Lord. And then he had spoken these things to her. He told me to tell you, he's alive. He is risen. I just saw him. And when you read the gospel of Mark, you find out these apostles thought she was cuckoo. You know, we have some great PTSD counselors. When you have trauma, Mary Magdalene, you might be seeing things. We've got some great drugs that can stabilize your emotions, these visions going on. She's nuts. She's lost it. By the way, the first time you start telling somebody that's your friend, that you believe in the resurrection of Christ, they might think you're just as crazy. You really believe he's alive? That's awesome. It's awesome when your friend thinks you're crazy for believing he's alive. Because they don't believe, they didn't keep believing that, they changed their belief. God reached them. Write this down. The miracle of the resurrection changes our relationship to other people. See, Jesus sent Mary to somebody to tell them about the resurrection of Christ. And when she went and told them and obeyed God, they thought she was nuts. They didn't believe her. But that's what God does. When you tell someone, when's the last time you told somebody, another person, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's alive. I be-, and they don't believe you. That is awesome. Because you just took a seed of the Bible and planted it. And somebody else comes along and waters that seed. They need to not believe you and not believe you because enough contact. All of a sudden God births wisdom and spiritual insight. They receive Christ. You need to not be believed enough. So God changes them. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors for Christ. The moment you're done being an ambassador, the moment you're done reaching others, you're done. I believe he calls you home. Your mission here is done. There's no more use for you. I've used you for other people. Come on home. So if you live and breathe, there are other people around you that need to hear about the resurrection of Christ. When's the last time you told somebody what Jesus means to you? Who he is? How he died, how he rose. Like, who told you this story? How did you come to believe this story? How did this happen with you? Your friends don't know this. Your family doesn't know this. Your neighbors don't know this. The world doesn't know this. This is why we have a team of young adults in North Africa right now. Yeah, North Africa right now. They're there sharing Jesus in... Can you believe that? Why would they go there? We're here for other people to share Jesus. It's why we go to Freedom Fire. Freedom Fire, freedomfire.org. We do the fourth Friday night of a month. We go play games for Jesus with people from the United States culturally and Somalian refugees of a Muslim background. It's weird to see them together, different cultures, and you play with games Jesus, and they get Jesus share with them. People come to Christ. It's a, why do we do this? Why do we do this? We're here for other people to tell about the resurrection of Christ. That's why we do it. Had new neighbors move in. I'm so pumped. It's so exciting. 
I can't wait because I can't go to the Middle East all the time. So God moves him in across the street. Woohoo! I get to be a missionary to the Middle East. Not even met them yet. Waiting for the right time. I know that's a different culture. Waiting for the guys to be out there, not the ladies. I get it. But we're going to talk about Jesus, baby. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. Also, I'm reading books. God reaches Muslims through dreams. I'm praying that they cannot sleep. This guy keeps visiting them. What's up with that? You know, Muslims treat dreams as prophetic, directly from God. Where you might blow it off or write a journal or blog about it on Facebook, and they'll think, God, talk to me. Why? Because God talked to him. That's why. I can't wait. Here's the thing. Is this true about you? John 20, verse 30. Let's circle back to the very start. Is this change happened to you? Has this change happened to you? John 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. A bunch of other miracles we don't have written here. But these, these eight are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, that you may believe and that you may have life. Is this your story? Do you believe and do you have life? That is why God wanted us to study the Gospel of John, but focus on those eight miracles. We need to believe and have life. Let's pray. God, we come to this moment again where we ask you, we know that God in the presence of the Holy Spirit is right with us right now. God, we ask you to do what only your Holy Spirit can do, which is to work inside someone's heart, in their mind, work in their soul and have them receive Jesus Christ as Savior. God, I pray people would believe right now Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing they may have life in his name. Would you pray for those near you, those online, those elsewhere. Just pray for them right now. Just pray for anybody who needs this, who needs Jesus. Maybe that person is you. Maybe you need Jesus. Would you go to God in prayer? Just go to Jesus Christ. He's listening. He's alert. He's alive. And just pray this. Pray, Jesus, I believe. I place my faith in the fact that You are the Christ, the promised Messiah, that you are the Son of God, and that believing, I may have life through your name. Jesus, I need you. I give myself to you. I believe. I fully surrender my life. I am yours from this day forward. Save me.
God, we pray for our entire church that we would build our lives, uh, build our ministry, build our households, our relationships around this truth that Jesus, you are alive. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.